0: Hey, good evening, everybody. The boys from Notebook Wagering are back with our weekly podcast. Uh, we just wrapped up the NFL draft. We got Smitty on tap tonight and Jake Cam's with us. We also got a special guest we'll bring in here soon. Let's go, uh, let's just go, quick round table so we can get our special guest going. Smitty, what's going on, buddy?
2: Just another great night, man. Enjoyed the NFL draft. We'll break into that here in a little bit. But yeah, we're excited. We have a great guest. I'm very pumped to listen. And get his info on Major League Baseball.
1: Jay Cam, what's up? Ah, not great week of sports here. You got the NBA playoffs. You got the NHL playoffs going. Get the Penguins already losing tonight. And then Derby Day on Saturday. Looking forward to that. And obviously the Oaks on Friday. So uh, full slate of stuff to prepare for to bet on. Yeah, so like I said, we wrapped up the NFL draft. We'll uh, kick that
0: off after we uh, meet with our guests. Then we'll touch on a little NBA, a little NHL maybe even some golf and some uh, horses, if we're lucky. I did a little homework on them today, but let's kick it off because he's got a tight schedule. So we're officially in the Major League Baseball swing. So what better than to bring on a former player? And he's also a current radio host for the v Network. So without further ado, we have Mr. Josh Towers on. Josh from Vegas. What's going on, my man?
3: What's up, boys? How are you?
0: Well, we hear, we hear you have a lot of good stories and we're actually going to try to pick your brain about some current MLB stuff. And I'm going to say some, probably some prior MLB stuff, but we don't want to take up too much of your time. Josh has given us about 20, 25 minutes here. His daughter's actually playing some softball. So Smitty, why don't you start us off since you got Josh on and hit him up with a little knowledge here.
2: Yeah, Josh, one thing, you know, thinking about baseball, you know, anybody that gets drafted, I mean, I played baseball, just, you know, you're talented. But the thing with baseball is there's so many levels. There's so many, right. you know, different A to double A AA to triple A. When you got drafted and you, you know, you played for Baltimore, Toronto, Yankees, that's like three of your major teams that you played for. But what level in the minor leagues was it just like an eye opening experience? Like, wow, these guys are good and this is tough to get these guys out.
3: Uh, the major league level. <laughs> like, I like it. I like it. Okay. Confident. <laughs> um, yeah, man, like it was weird for, for me. And I say us, cause we had like a group of guys with the Orioles, but it, it's, I mean, it's completely different than this today. Like these levels are are so very important and they're for a reason. Like you can't, you can't come from amateur baseball and just go play at the major league level and think you're going to be successful. You, you'll be so overwhelmed. There's such a difference in the level and the way the games played, that you're done if you try that. And although the way everything has changed in today's society with with our game, where the gap is is the bridge is so much shorter than it used to be. And I think that's probably why, my opinion, the major league game that we watch today is not. It's a. It's to me, it's an overall like advanced Triple A league. It's not really the major league league that it used to be because I think we're rushing too many kids to the big leagues and and the way the draft. Has changed um, after the Bryce Harper draft. You know when we allotted money per team, it changed the way the game is played uh, as a whole. So I, I don't think we're seeing the game as good as it should be, not, not even close to as good as it should be. Um, and and so my answer would be more in today's game. I think if I was playing in it, but back then, like bro, like I never even would have been drafted in today's game the way it's played. I, I just you know I got I got lucky. I like to an extent. Um, and, and I didn't know that like, you weren't supposed to make it. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to be good. Like no one ever told me, like, we just, we ran hard off the field and we ran hard on the field and, and we just couldn't wait to play. And, and we didn't get caught up in, in worrying about if we were going to get, uh, like moved up or promoted, you just played the game and whatever happened, happened. And so I went I literally went one level at a time. I mean, I went to rookie ball to low A to high A to double A AA, to triple A to big leagues. And I spent almost a full year at every level. So, so my answer, although it's funny, it's, I didn't get overwhelmed at all because I I started and finished at the same level almost every year. And then I moved up with a lot of the guys that were developing well. So although when I did get to triple A, I saw a lot of former major league baseball players that I, was like oh shoot oh look at this you didn't have that at any level so that that was different that kind of caught you off guard um, but you still felt you still felt like you you belonged, right it was either a lot of prospects or a lot of guys that got to a point where I was where you were like a veteran where you're up and down but once you got to the big leagues uh, reality sank in and it was hard in the beginning to not look at the names on the uh, back of the jersey you know like you get caught up in and like, oh, I seen that dude on TV and, you know, and like they're your favorite players, et cetera. And, and it was hard, man, because I, I think back in, in 2001, like I played with Kyle Ripken and we had guys like that still in the league and each row came up and and like these dudes can play like Bernie Williams, man. Like I, I played against people that I was like, you got to be kidding me. How are you this good? <laughs>
1: yeah who who was the one guy where you're just like, who may not even be a guy we know is really good that you saw that you couldn't get over like how he hit or just like how talented he was. He may he doesn't even have to be a star. Just the kind of guy who was like, holy crap,
3: man, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. I'm usually asked like, who is the hardest out? Um, the, I mean, there was like for instance, like my major league debut, right? Like I remember I came in out of the bullpen in Baltimore, and Ben Grieve had just hit a double. And, you know, Ben Grieve to us had a big name, but to the reality of baseball, not the biggest name ever. But like when I ran past Ben Grieve coming in, like I, he looked like he was 10 feet tall. Like I looked up at him and I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's Ben Grieve. Like what? And then I get on the mound and Vinny Castilla's batting. You know, Vinny Castilla is a legend, uh, especially in, you know, in our game, especially in Mexico. And like I'm like looking at Vinny Castilla like this is who I got to face right now. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't It was just it like it was. It got overwhelming at times, man. And then, you know, being in the AL East, the Yankees were always good. Um, so facing that lineup, I was telling a story to somebody the other day. There was a time where I faced the Yankees where where Jason Giambi was hitting eighth and Robinson gonna was hitting ninth. That's how loaded that team was. <laughs> That's not fair. Current
0: current day murderous row, right there.
3: Dude, hey. so I mean Paul O'Neill and like, oh my God, man! Like they were so loaded, it was unbelievable. No, no breath. But
0: that's a great lead-in for me because uh, a player I actually hated was Paul O'Neill, and, and I mean uttermost respect. It's just one guy. I he, he yeah. got under my skin. I want. Here's All something right that he this always intrigues us. We are actually three big baseball junkies. Unwritten rules in baseball, huge to. Junkies like ourselves, were you ever called upon to enforce one of those unwritten rules per chance?
3: Uh, yeah, especially like where you got to drill somebody type stuff, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to come out and say it, but yeah, it's well, listen, I'm not playing anymore. Uh, <laughs> let me go back to Paul O'Neill real quick, like talking about how good these guys are. um you know to to act like we're out there playing baseball and it's just like I'm going to face you and it's going to be my skill set versus your physical skill set like that's wrong because it's not it's not going to go very well like things that we would do that people have no idea about um Jason Johnson and I were we're 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 sitting together one day and he's like hey uh he's like I you know what I was thinking I think we should throw a splitty the first time we face Paul O'Neill. and I think I was pitching first and Jason was pitching the next day and I was like Jay we don't throw splitties. and he goes yeah I know But he doesn't know that either. But you know how Paul gets like, he'll get so pissed off that, you know, he'll probably turn and yell at the hitting coach because we threw a pitch that wasn't on scouting report, it. will lose his mind. And I think that buys us three free outs the rest of the game because he'll be taken out. It. He'll be looking for it, and he'll never get it again. And uh, and he goes, did he rakes. Like, we can't get him out. And I was like, bro, that's a good idea. So the first time uh, I faced him, the very first pitch, I threw a splitty. And I, I mean, I can't even grip a splitty. I threw a splitty, and it was so funny because right on cue, he steps out of the box. He looks in the dugout, or his dugout at the hitting coach, and he yells something at him about me throwing a splitty. And I'm on the mound trying not to laugh because it worked beautifully. Just how Jason thought it up in his head, it worked up beautifully. And for the rest of the bat and the rest of the game, he's looking for a pitch that didn't exist. And, and he had all the lefties thinking I was going to throw it too. Uh, and Jason did the same thing to him the next day. And it was like one of the rare times we were actually successful versus the Yankees. Because um, <laughs> we had. I mean, it's just the stuff that you have to do to get creative versus some of these teams that are so good. Um, man, like – I, there's plenty of times where somebody deserves to get hit and you kind of, you take it am, amongst yourself and you drill somebody. And there's times where, where you don't really want to do it, but you, you, you kind of have to. And I remember a time like, uh, in, in Tampa, Carl Crawford had said something very bad about our team. Like it was in the media and it was so disrespectful. And of course you're going to drill them. And I remember, facing him in in Toronto the next day or the next series, which was really close together. And I remember my, my manager asked me to drill Aubrey Huff. And I said, like, why would I drill Aubrey? Aubrey didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Carl's running Roman's damn mouth. And uh, he's like, yeah, but Aubrey's their best player. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, no, he's pretty good, but he's not their best player versus me. Carl's their best player versus me. Um, And it has nothing to do with Aubrey Huff. Carl needs to have the message sent to him this is not a joke like he disrespected our entire team and I remember on the mound and uh I look in my dugout as Aubrey comes up to bat and my managers give me the drill em. and I was like you got to be kidding me and I stepped off the mound I didn't want to do it I stepped off the mound <sighs> all right I get back on the mound I look in there again and he's doing it like you better hit him type thing to me and I just remember looking at I looked at Aubrey Huff and I just put my head down and I look back up and he he gives me the thank you and I threw it behind him and I didn't because I was no way I was like, he didn't deserve it and uh I got thrown out immediately because I don't miss like that you know umpire throws me out and I try to save face for a couple seconds and I just couldn't do it man so like I mean there's there's issues and things like that that happen quite often uh or did happen quite often I should say um but yeah that was one of the rare times I just couldn't do it bro I couldn't do it who,
0: who was the who was your manager at the time
3: Carlos Tosca
0: which I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> he's not, he's not
3: managing either. I think he's in the uh, lower levels for the Orioles. <laughs> I think he's been. In a while. Hey, shows
0: he, Here, yeah.
1: shows he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. So is that how it usually is though? Is it usually a signal or is it more like eye contact no. when the, when you, you have to get told to like, okay, he needs to wear one.
3: Well, that's my problem with today's game, right? So very rarely does it come from a manager or a coach. Very rarely does they get involved in that. Uh, You're smart enough to know after playing the game long enough to where somebody Mm -hmm. deserves to get hit. Like if they do some dumb stuff or your guys are getting hit, like you know when, you know, for the most part, you know when it's intentional. And that was my whole issue this year with like the Mets. The Mets think that the Major League Baseball players are throwing at them. And, bro, first off, we don't ever throw at your face. I don't care if I'm mad at you or not. We don't do that. Um... And for the Mets to think that everybody's throwing at them, I'm like, dude, first off, I told you it's an advanced triple A league. A lot of these pitchers aren't ready for the major leagues. There's a, there's some that are, but there's a lot that aren't. We're, we're, everybody's trying to adapt a, the Tampa Bay Rays philosophy of just give me 97 of, and above and we'll be successful and we use our bullpen for most of the game. But the, what they don't understand is the Rays actually teach and develop pitching where everybody else is just rushing guys to the big leagues who don't know how to pitch. They just throw as hard as they can and the ball is going everywhere. And, uh and like you know you got guys in the nationals they're they're obviously not a very good baseball team this year and and they have a lot of young guys and it's like it's like the Mets like it's almost like did anybody teach you guys the game of baseball like if you honestly think people it's not fun getting hit I, I understand that but to think that like guys were throwing at them on purpose for no reason at all especially to start the season off this year was just idiotic of the Mets and so they start retaliating. And, like, I think they hit Nolan Arenado, if I'm not mistaken. It was the Mets that hit Nolan. Um, and I'm like, well, why didn't you hit the first guy at the end? Like, why why wait to their best hitter, like, I don't – or one of their best hitters. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. They're really not throwing at you on purpose. It, it just shows that, like, that a lot of the IQ, the baseball IQ ha- is also being lost with the lack of development these days and, and rushing guys to the big leagues.
2: Josh, that's one thing. You know, your Twitter, you're very opinionated. And I really like that because you really do come out. You um and I've been tracking you over the last couple of weeks here. One thing, if you were, I'm gonna just throw this out because I think you led into this pretty well here. If you were commissioner, what would you do to change the game?
3: I would stop making changes every year. You know, first off, like it's like it's like me let's say in high school or something or travel baseball and I got a team and I'm you know I like when we had our team I used to tell the kids I don't know where you're going to play in high school we're young we're 12 13 14 years old like so we wanted to teach them all the positions right because I don't know where you're going to play like but let's create an opportunity to where you have an opportunity to play by yeah coach I play there I play there and so in the beginning we put somebody like at center field and the next inning I'd put them at first and the next inning I'd put them at third and give an opportunity to play all the positions and then I realized real quick that well, if, if he has a play at first base and we talk about it when he comes in the dugout and then the next thing I put him at third, he's no longer going to process that play or see it again. And who knows when he's going to be back there. So it really was a waste of everybody's time. So then it was like, well, let's put him at first base the entire game and then the next game, maybe we'll put him in right field the entire game. So that way they see the same place over and over in a game for the course of a game, have conversation, maybe see the play again and they develop. Um, and I feel like Major League Baseball is is kind of doing that with the rules. Like every every time we turn around, every year we have a thousand rule changes and, and they're trying to change rules to help offense. But then they dumbly, because I don't know who's allowing this, they, they want to cater to offense because I think that's where fans come into the game. But then they counter that by making another rule that helps pitching. They don't even realize they're doing it. Um, and then the pitching wins and then the offense struggles like it is now. And they can't figure out for the life of them why the offense isn't doing good. So then we change another rule. And so every year these guys are going out and it's like, before I take a game, it's like, or play a game. It's like, hey, did it, did, did any other rules change today that I need to know about? Like, we can't just play the game based on playing it. We have to, okay, what happened? I'll, so I can't step out of the box anymore. It's going to be called a strike. Like, like I don't, and it's it's just too much. It's it's just too much. And, and so, you know, we've always said you can't compare generational stats. Um, you can't vote for Hall of Famers the same way like like the way we played in the early 2000s especially in the late 90s that game is is drastically different than the game we're playing today than the game we played in the 80s like there, there's none of it's even close to being the same and so with all these rule changes it's making it hard for the players it's making it hard for development uh, it's making it hard for the front office. It's making it hard for the fans because we don't really know what to keep up with as well. So, I, I think first and foremost, he needs to stop with the rule changing because this game, over 100 plus years—what is it, 140 years or whatever it is—it was built pretty good, and 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 the the, the adjustments that needed to be made. It's, I mean, there's a reason the ball hits a shortstop and it's a bang bang play at first base, right? I mean, there's a reason why if I'm running the bases and I'm running improperly and I'm giving away 20 feet over the course of three or four bases, that I'm out at home. But when I run properly, it's a bang bang play. Like, there's a reason we try to buy it at an advanced level of, of that we play at the major, major League Baseball level. There's a reason why I'm trying to steal feet and steal inches when I'm on the mound and not a high school and college game where I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's, you, you, they they play in feet and we play in inches like it, the game is a beautiful game and we're ruining it like you know I think the funniest thing is is coming up to the Orioles system we had a guy named Sid Thrift who was our player development guy and all I remember was a 12 second rule and it taught me to work fast uh, and I didn't know why we had a 12 second rule I just know that we were told 12 seconds so basically if I do a let's say I threw a fastball down and away and I got a strike or you swung and miss, whatever the case may be, if I were to repeat that pitch within 12 seconds, the 95% chance we're going to have the same result based off of muscle memory, et cetera, all kinds of stuff. Now, I didn't know the advancement to it. I just knew 12-second rules. So then it teaches us to work very, very fast. And what I learned over the years is the faster you work, the more your defense is behind you. The faster you work, uh, the more you rush the hitter, the more he's going to struggle, the more we take our time and, and give the hitter all the time in the world the more he's able to process he's going to be more successful the faster i work the more i have the umpire on my side for whatever i established that day like it, it, it helps muscle memory it helps everything and so we're doing all these things to cater offense and then we throw in oh by the way you got to throw a pitch within 25 seconds whatever the rule is uh 20 seconds otherwise it's a and so now they're rushing the hitters again and taking offense back and they can't figure out why these guys can't hit it's i mean it's 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 to me, it's not rocket science, but when you never played the game, it's a little bit more difficult.
0: And I, I that's a really good segue for me. You you said the word fast about 10 times there, and then you brought up the Rays teaching this 97-mile-per-hour approach. So one guy in the bigs right now is Hunter Green of the, the Reds, who's just a yeah. fireballer. What about yeah. this kid from uh, Tennessee, this Ben Joyce and this 105 that he threw the other day? Is he... I, I don't want to say sustainable is, is he going to be able to last more than two, three years thrown like that?
3: So I never got hurt playing the game, but my delivery, my delivery didn't really bring an injury. Right. So, so I'm right-handed. So my front shoulder kind of went down, kind of like Jacob DeGroms. He's kind of level, but kind of went down. So it it went towards the catcher. So what that, what that does is, is it, it, I lose a little velocity, but it, it was my delivery. I didn't choose it. Um, and it condenses my miss area. So my control is really, really good. But also it don't create leverage to throw a curveball. That's why my slider is better and my curveball really wasn't a plus pitch because I didn't create the leverage to get it up to pull it down. Um, and so by default, I didn't get hurt as much, plus I did all of the necessary things to to prevent injury. Um outside of that there's very few people who don't have tommy john or have some sort of injury it's just the way it is and and so i look at kids like this as like in the hunter greens of the world um it's kind of like a a a puppy saint bernard or or a german shepherd where they're they're massively big because the dog they are but they're just babies they're a couple months old and their paws are way too big and they're falling over their own feet it's like it's like i have this gift to throw a baseball um it's not taught as a gift and but my body's not developed like the amount of cuff weights that I had to do, the amount of running, the amount of core work and the amount of of proper throwing programs and the adjustments over the years to learn this, the more time you put in, the stronger you're going to be like, it took a long time to learn all this stuff to, to really fine tune your body. And these kids have this gift at such a young age and, and knowing where they're at at, at a, at a young level of, of their career in, in pro ball and then in college, like in college, I knew nothing about body. Like I've taken care of my body and put myself in the right positions to be successful and not get hurt. Um, and you're asking a very young body to, that, that doesn't have time to really get in shape yet uh, to throw 105 miles per hour. We had a remind and there's nothing he can do. He's not trying to, it's just his natural gift. Eventually it, it's unfortunate, but eventually he's going to get hurt. Um, I just hope that through his development in youth ball and in college, um, with the excitement of 105. I just hope that they're not they're not abusing that. They're not using that to put fans in and and and, and everybody's gonna talk about it. So that kid in Tennessee is gonna just continue to gas up. But at some point, teach them a changeup because I'm trying to time your fastball, right? Teach them how to throw that pitch that takes a little bit of stress off the arm but has the same extension and finish that your fastball does. It actually makes his fastball better. Um it, it it's inevitable, but it's just a lot to ask of. I mean, it's a it's a very unnatural motion throwing the baseball, anyways. And now I'm asking that. Oh man! And I'll tell you what, bro. Like, <laughs> I'll tell you, if I had 105, about 100, about 96. Uh, I would sit on the mound and tell you what's coming. Hey, back I would tell you where it's gonna be and what's coming because, like, if you throw properly with proper mechanics, and I locate, like. Location wins, anyways. Look at the All Star Game. Why the you know it's always low scoring because the pitchers are so, they're good and they locate. And so you know, good pitching always wins. If I if I had that, like, and I I would just throw a fastball down and away every pitch, and I would never give up a hit. It'd be impossible. And I would laugh the whole time. I just laugh at you.
0: <laughs> It'd be so fun. I, I'm sad we only have you for a limited amount of time. I really have <laughs> 25 questions. It, it Even we're good. I mean, we're definitely going to have you back – have to have you back on. This is uh, – just that one alone, I now have more stuff to pick your brain with. But Smitty, J. Kim, how about one more each, and then we'll let Josh get out of here.
1: Well, no, we let into some of the stuff that they're having this year. So, the Mets obviously got hit a lot because pitchers couldn't control the baseball. Do they have to yeah. bring back a little of the sticky stuff? Were you a guy who used a little – like a little – um like stuff on his fingers like not the uh spider glue but the other things like the I think uh rosin and uh suntan lotion was a popular one just like stuff like that just because uh David Sampson was on the follow the money this morning talking about that how like both sides were good because the hitters felt safe because they weren't going to get hit in the face and pitchers felt good because they could actually throw the ball where they wanted to so is that the kind of they have to kind of like sneak that back in maybe
3: no, I, I, I think that everybody who talks about that stuff, like whoever you just mentioned, um, they're just uneducated. Like, it's just like, I always say that we we live in a world of followers and most of us just read the cover of the book and think we know what's in it and we don't, you know, putting it in works a little bit too hard for us these days. Um, to, to act like every pitcher was using something is just idiotic. It's like trying to act like every player was on steroids and, and there was a good amount, but no, it's not the case. Um, I love the fact that, that garrett cole struggling a little bit and it's oh he's not using spider tech that's why he's struggling uh no and if that's what you really think then you shouldn't be um allowed to cover baseball um i mean think about it last year when they took it away from us and they checked all the gloves like one dude got caught and it wasn't even anything illegal they just misread what was on his glove uh, i think it was a seattle kid if i'm not mistaken so it's, it's not as relevant as people think. It really, it's not. And and when we do use it, the bottom line is I just want to hold the ball. Like I'm not trying to use it to cheat. I mean, i give you a couple of stories on this. Uh, there's days where the ball just slips out of your hand and they don't rub up enough balls to last the whole game. So in the beginning, as a starter, I'm going to get some pretty good balls. By the time the seventh, eighth inning rolls around, my relievers are in the game. The balls are, they're white. They're hard to grip. And that rosin bag on the mound does nothing, and if it did anything, then hitters would just get rosin bag and nothing else too. uh Sometimes the the ball actually feels like the brand new bat, like it's just too slippery. And yeah. like imagine taking all that stuff away from the hitters, the bats would go flying in the stands. People would get hurt. They wouldn't be able to hit. They're not using it to cheat as well. They're using it to grip the bat. And so that's the reality of what what we want is. I just want to hold the baseball, do a better job. Let me go to my mouth. I'm just asking for a little bit of either warm air or a little bit of wetness but like it's nothing to cheat um and it's hard because we know it's illegal so i'm also asking myself to do something that if i get caught i'm looking at a suspension and so to hide that stuff is not easy man i remember like a a, in double a my coach was telling me trying to teach me how to use it i was so uncomfortable And I remember like if you put alcohol like on your white pants, it's easier put alcohol on wherever you go to the most on your uniform, put alcohol on your white pants and then get the rosin bag and match it. It creates a really sticky substance. So whatever I would go to my belt buckle, whatever I tried it and dude, I was so like nervous, like the umpire knew I was going to it every time, but like you didn't even have the heart to even use it. Um, but that worked. The sunscreen and rosin works. Uh, but again, rosin by itself and sweat, etc. It, it never works. And so, you know, for us to, again, to try to cheat with something where most of us are pretty nervous to even try to get away with that. Um, Major League Baseball let a lot of guys have stuff on their hat for a long time that never said anything, which I thought was weird. And so, like, just grab your hat, you have a little something. Um quick story because again no one's using it as much as people think they are that's this that's how stupid people are to think that spider tag is something that every pitcher has in their in their arsenal and using is idiotic um i was uh i was in spring training with the dodgers in 2010 and uh, i don't know who i faced but he flew out to right field and i always wait for the third baseman to throw the ball back to me so i give him a little target and i get the ball back and i start going to my pre-routine as i'm cleaning them out and as I'm rubbing the ball up, I realize there's something on the ball. And so I look at it, and there's this big glob of tar on the ball. And I was like, I didn't I didn't jam the hitter. There's no way he has it on his barrel. And I was like looking at the ball, and I'm like, where did this come from? And I look at right field, and Andre Ethier's is my right fielder, and Dre just puts his face down like this in his glove and kind of hides it. And I was like. Oh, the son of a bitch! <laughs> and so, Dre had it in his glove, and when he catches it, he puts it on the ball, like you know, you know, one to have fun, and two, maybe I needed it. And I remember telling him afterwards, I was like, "Hey, bro, if I get this opportunity again, like if you're gonna do that, let me tell you where I actually want it, so I can actually get it to move, you know, um, <laughs> I a spot where I couldn't use it. So it was irrelevant for me, anyways, which was kind of funny. And and I remember David Segui at first base, uh, he, he would he used the stuff on his glove to, to get it the way he liked it. And so sometimes David Segui would, as I, you know, you pick over the first base, he would kind of rub his glove and give it back and, and never to the point where it was too much, but just to a point where, again, you just had traction on the ball because I just wanted to control the baseball. And, and again, that's the reality, but the over, the, the, the over assumption that all these guys are using it. And if that's why they're struggling, cause they don't get to use it. That's it's, it's just false.
2: Josh, my last question, you know, you played with, you know, you've named some of the guys you've played mm-hmm. with. Who is your favorite teammate and maybe why? Bro,
3: hmm. well, I had so many good teammates, man. It's, I mean, and I played in, in, in two different worlds, right? I played in pre-steroids. I played in post-steroids. I played in where, where the guys you played were men. Um, and I played in the era where they were just boys. Um and and so I've had so many different teammates in so many walks of life that to like, to be able to say I had a favorite, it's not fair. I had a lot of good ones and guys I'm still friends with. I mean, guys that were influential, but um, one that stands out the most is probably Orlando Hudson. Uh, O-Dog was, it was impossible to be in a bad mood in front of this kid. He was the most energetic and and like loving dude and he was always shit talking but in a positive way and he always had the team like the morale was up and just the funniest dude and he talked with this he's from Donaldson, south carolina so he talked with this twang that you if him and his father got going you wouldn't be able to understand the conversation it was a different language uh and like just thinking about orlando puts a smile on my face because he was like he just it was impossible to not have fun and be in a good mood around this dude um and it was probably why we were successful when he was around because he was just a phenomenal teammate uh
0: i will wrap it up i got one quick story for you you brought up andre ethier so yeah, I'm, a, I'm a huge phillies fan and one of my bucket list items was to go to a world series game but i didn't go to the world series game i went to the nlcs where they played the dodgers Okay. And it was Game Two in the in the uh, New Philly Stadium, and I had second row seats in right field. And when, of was I, that? when was it? What's that? When was it? Two thousand eight. Okay. So second row in right field, I was behind behind Efe here. I yelled at that poor guy for three and a half hours, nonstop. He finally looked up at me, probably like the seventh inning, was like, "This mf'er just won't <laughs> shut up." <laughs> and my <laughs> girlfriend's like. Who, who who are you yelling? at? I was like, just just that guy down there. I was just trying to get under his skin, and I guess it may have worked at a point. Just like, man, I can't believe this guy's still yelling at me.
3: That's
1: pretty impressive for Philly. Yeah,
3: <laughs> like the greatest fans of all time in Philly, really, of course. Um, yeah. You know, those guys get it so much. Like it's 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 like at every stadium of every game of all time, somebody's just wearing them out. It's, it's crazy how much you tune them out. But when you're struggling, I'll tell you, when you're going well, you hear nothing. But when you're struggling, bro, you hear every word from every fan, and it can get under your skin a little bit, man. It's uh, But, like, yeah, Philadelphia, uh, the Yankees. I mean, I remember, like, 10-year-olds just MFing you at Yankee Stadium next to their parents. And I'm like, so that's how this goes? Like, you're not even going to say anything to your kid who's cussing out an adult? Like, there's just parts of our country that people just don't care.
0: And i it's crazy. I think Ethier actually had a really good series off the top of my head that that oh, NLCS.
3: He, there was a, a part of his career where this dude was on, like you couldn't get him out. Trey was one of the best players I'd ever seen.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm him. pretty sure that's why I yelled at him the whole time because he was yeah. just killing
3: me. Well, you only yelled at <laughs> the good
0: one. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we appreciate your time, man. We're going to let you get out of here and get back to your girls game. We have to have you back on, though. I literally wrote down another 15 questions that I could just fire off.
3: <laughs> just let me know. I'm back for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, why don't you give us a little shout-out? Give us your Twitter handle, anything you got going on before we let you bolt out of here.
3: Yeah, not too much, man. Twitter's at Noto and Josh. Um, too many athletes get in trouble for tweeting stuff, and so I, I created at Nodo and Josh to tell myself not to tweet, and it uh, <laughs> didn't work. I still say stupid stuff all the time. I don't know <laughs> it's the best
2: it's the the best stuff
3: josh i I love (laughs) it man it's
2: so opinionated and that's why it's fantastic keep doing it
3: i guess my issue is, is i just feel like i said earlier i feel like our game just having been through it and been through the development and been through the whole process um and knowing how hard it is like the work that you put in to get better like people don't understand like i used to do software on the computer for fast twitch muscles and for my eyes just to help that process of seeing signs to work on PFPs and like the advancement that you do to be a legit elite level athlete. And I just feel like, I feel like our game again, should be so much better. These players can be so much better, but we have too many people doing work for us nowadays based off of the computer. And and we're not putting the work in ourselves that like, I think that's the hardest part for me. I think that's why I get so opinionated on Twitter. I wish Twitter let us have more characters, by the way. Um, but I think that's why I give some opinion on Twitter because I know that there's a better game and I know these players can be massively better. Um, and it just breaks my heart to see that, that there's a lot of us guiding them in a bad direction.
0: Maybe we can write to uh, Elon and get us a little uh, extra character amount here.
3: He, he, if, if he's a baseball fan, he might get it to us. Let's yeah.
0: go. I, I hope. Hey man, get out there. Uh, go yes, enjoy sir. your, your girl's game. We appreciate the time. We'll definitely re- reach out to you and get you back on, man.
3: Yeah, hit me up. I'm in for sure. Thanks, hey, Josh. Thanks. Have a great awesome. night. Appreciate it, man.
0: Right. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you. That's freaking awesome. I, I literally wrote down 15 more questions to ask him. I, I can't wait to have him back on.
2: I had I had a full sheet maybe going into a back. My cat's laying on my notebook tonight, like I said to you <laughs> earlier. Uh, I, I, I'm
0: actually sad. I totally whiffed on asking him this. Uh, do you guys know that he was the 1500, 1500th right on the dot official Yankee player
1: did not know that oh, yeah that's a sticky note Matt that's a sticky yeah. note
0: you gotta now, call that totally, out I even have the bullet point there like out but I was so excited to, just to hear him tell stories like I wanted to ask him about spring training and the, how much the, the uh, pitchers go golfing and he brought up that Dylan C. Cy Young play and uh, there was a story about how he got his big break break right uh, big break with the Yankees I don't know if you guys knew this. Supposedly. I guess Halliday caught a line drive, broke his leg, and he got the call up. And that's how he got on the roster with the uh and got his World Series
2: ring. Yeah, you know, I was telling Jason before we came on. I, I listened to a an interview he did a couple of years ago, and I just said, man, he's gonna be entertaining. Yeah, like, uh, I just I enjoyed it so much. I had a blast. And I my wife was trying to watch something on TV and she's like, Can you turn that down? I'm like, no, listen, this guy's entertaining. Just listen to him. Don't worry, he's gonna be on the show tonight. Listen to him. Yeah. Uh um, that's a, that's awesome. But no, he his Twitter, I think, is fantastic, very yeah. opinionated on baseball, which is great. Uh he's been a great guy. I've been texting him back and forth trying to get him on the show. So um, you know, we really appreciate it again, especially with his daughter playing a softball game. Yeah. And
0: um I, I even wanted to ask him his dog's name. He's got a picture of his dog on there. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. get him back on and I'll reach oh, out again yeah. to him, man. Because I mean, again, I have so many I Man, I still had like nine or ten questions too. Oh, me
0: too. I have a whole, a whole sheet, whole sheet of paper just ready to go.
3: I,
1: I right, mean, it's well, funny. Let's... He brings up an excellent point, though. Like uh, how much the game has changed. I mean the era he played in is closer to the ones we grew up watching and he grew up watching. He's about the same age as we are. Than the game today, like it, there aren't pitchers like Josh towers out in major league baseball right now. Like he's a guy who didn't throw a 90. You can just tell that never threw a walk and just that kind of outsmarted guys like that. Jason Johnson story didn't surprise me at all. And I was actually pretty awesome to get That's Paul O'Neill nice. cooked like that. There's a lot of people out. If, if we have any bets fans or people who hate the Yankees, to listen to our show, they're going to love that story.
0: <laughs> well, I hated you- O'Neill from his day with the
2: reds So. And I'll I'll tell you, looking at, you know, I like coming into the week for bets. I like looking at team averages, some home runs, who's leading this. You know, you look at it, again, I brought this up, like, I think two weeks ago, Colorado's leading the league and hitting 265 as a team. You look at the Yankees, they're fifth, 249 coming into Monday. Like Arizona, here's, the, here's a great one. And Arizona really started out not very good, but they've won some games. And I think they were winning tonight because I had Miami in a money line parlay. So I have to yeah. see if Miami's come back here. They're up coming, five.
0: Nope, five nothing.
2: Oh, well, that ain't good for anybody. But Arizona coming into Monday, 181 as a team. And they're not horrible. I mean, I'm they're not, not good. 13.
0: They're 11 and 13. 11, okay,
2: 11 and 13. Yeah, and they're winning tonight. That's crazy. Here's here's one I mark too, guys. Milwaukee, 25th. Milwaukee's, you know, great pitching. We know very, you know, they have the best pitching in that division and everything like that, maybe even in the National League. 218.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, but they're killed. So, sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to cut you. I watched yesterday. There was a game on, and I believe it was – it may have been the, been the Braves and the Mets. It, they're actually starting to learn to play small ball. I think that the managers, coaching staffs are going to realize, hey, if this ball is this dead, they actually hit, uh, they went oppo field uh, two, three times in a row, moved the runners over. I was like, man, they're actually trying to manufacture runs here for a change, instead of guys swinging for the foot. And it was their their two, three, four hitters. I think it was a Kuna one. Uh, Ozzy Albis was another one. I was like, man, these guys are actually just, Taking a little nice chop, getting it over there. I was like, Woo, uh a little old, old-time old baseball. Could be back.
1: Yeah, I mean, tonight, just looking at the gambling slate, like, there was literally one game that an over-under total of above eight and a half runs, and it was the Rockies. So, I mean, you can have to throw that out because that's always going to be high. Some of these totals are down to seven, six and a half. I, I think I saw – somebody said there was a five and a half. I think that went off yesterday. I mean – That's ridiculous. That's playoff baseball stuff. And you got guys like fifth starters going against each other and you got totals of six runs and it's not really threatened. Um, Yeah, I I watched the the Padres Pirates game on Sunday. Hassan Kim hit a ball. It was gone. It was a middle middle slider that hung off of Chase DeYong. You heard the crack of the bat. You're like, oh, there's a home run and the ball didn't even make the warning track. It's, it's ridiculous it's like they're playing with those like safety balls you see in the little league where you know you, you hit it and it just doesn't go anywhere because it saved the kids uh, heads but um we're using it at a professional level it just doesn't make any sense i i like they're bringing the small ball back i hope it kind of works that way but it feels like they're kind of cheating to do it
2: yeah you know i my you know our buddy garvey that's was on the show one time that played at university of pittsburgh you know he has kind of got sick of the game and he always said he goes you know I'm just tired of it like it's all home runs it's guys throwing 100 and something miles per hour and he likes small ball and so do I I, I agree I like the bunt some you know steal some bases but again Jay, great point there when balls are just dying and I mean when you look at these numbers Milwaukee 218 181 I mean come on now best 265. I mean, Yanks 240. I mean, just go, you write these stats down and you're like, really? Like what is going on here? And again, when you look at the over unders, I thought that was great too. I'm shocked. Some of the nights I look at this and it's six, six and a half. When was the last time you saw that? I mean, you got, you got a seven and a half you were jumping on maybe a good pitching matchup for an under, but now it's down to like five and a half, six,
0: I haven't seen the five and a half. I bet the Guardians A's game Saturday or Sunday with Bieber versus Cole Irvin. uh, Rocking chair, easy win. Over under was six and a half. Took the under all day. It was one to one going to the ninth. I think somebody scored it was three one. Easy win. Uh, Yeah, these are these unders. They're going to adjust though, and then they're going to start pushing them even down to. I I mean, we might get some five flats. There's games tonight three nothing in the seventh, two nothing in the sixth, one nothing in sixth they're going to adjust and then they're going to really screw us. Cause I think, well, you know, I think some people are
1: killing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're citing batting average is one example, but if you actually look at slugging, which is, you know, what everything's gone to, right. Nobody cares about hit, getting on base anymore. They just want to hit home runs. There are seven teams that have 400 or higher slugging percentage last year. Only nine teams finished below 400. <laughs> like that's insane. And then there was two teams that were three teams that were right on the cusp of 400s. So I mean, that's a huge difference nobody's hitting the ball there's no extra base hits it's just station to station baseball and nobody plays that way anymore they don't know a lot of these guys came up not knowing how to play that way just kind of like josh mentioned you know they're going up through the minors quick you know get the uppercut swing swing for the fences you know or take a walk or strike out we're all good with all that and you just can't really play that way anymore you're going to put two runs across every night
2: i like how he brought a little sid thrift up the whole bucko yeah. Front office. Kind he of was tired. a
1: long time Orioles guy, too. So that makes oh, yeah. A little, a little yeah, way. Yeah, that
2: yeah. was neat. That was I, I liked hearing that a little bit. The the 12 second, you know, that was kind of neat. That was
3: interesting. Here's,
0: here's another thing that I noticed before we jump off baseball. So I believe it was yesterday. The White Sox were playing somebody. It could have been Sunday, too. And their stats against left handed hitters were astronomically good. But even with the dead ball, they still struggle, and it's the same with the Marlins tonight, who absolutely destroy left-handed or right-handed pitching, I believe, and they have four hits tonight. And it's like maybe, maybe the lefty-righty matchups aren't even a matter anymore with this dead ball or whatever's going on. Okay. So. All right, Smitty, you want to go to a little NFL draft recap, maybe give out some winners, losers, thoughts, just throw. I, I I mean, I know what you can hit on right out of the gate. If you really want to, I'll give out a couple teams <laughs> uh, that I like, but I'll give you the floor
2: since uh, you're the, the hot rod here. Okay. No, I, you know, everybody wants to know my thoughts on the Steelers. I thought overall it wasn't a bad draft. Was it a slam dunk? I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't get crazy here. I'm, The Kenny Pickett, I mean, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Now, it would have been interesting. I'm going to throw this out. Talking to Dr. Brent, and I had them taking Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa on the mock draft show last week. He was one pick before the Steelers. Dr. Brent said to me the other day when he called me, he goes, do you think if he would have been there, they would have taken him? I said, absolutely not. They were taking a quarterback. Yeah. Now – I'm shocked. And I mean, I'd like to hear your guys' two cents on this, but I'll go on my Steeler rant for a quick second about the quarterback dropping. No, you can tell they love Kenny Pickett. I mean, everything you hear. And Jason sent something great that night how Canada recruited him out of high school to go to Pitt, which was, I just thought, fantastic. So they've known everything about him. And, you know, Pat McAfee said something great on his show the other day. He goes, listen, he's in their building. If that guy took a crap, they knew about it. So. Like they sat, They like, like Tomlin probably sat with him how many times and just ate lunch with him. They can do, like, that's the thing. I, I don't, again, and here's the only, and I'm going to just say this, and again, and I said it to you guys, time's going to tell, man. I mean, we'll see what happens, the draft class. Kenny Pickett might be a great player. I don't know if he's going to be. Would I have drafted him? No, because Dan Orlowski out of ESPN said the same thing. He said, to me, they drafted Mitch Trubisky. Well, you already have Mitch Trubisky. Why'd you have to draft him? It's two years. You know, and I said this to Dr. Brent. I said, how about if Trubisky, and again, this is what if. There's a lot of what ifs that can happen. How about if he gets, they come out and they're smoking and they're winning games and he's playing great. And let's say they go to the playoffs and they go kind of far. And he's the quarterback this year. You handing the keys over to Kenny Pickett the next year?
0: All right, uh, I'll, uh, I'll go real quick because I'm I'm going to be probably the most hated out of anybody listening here. I actually think their draft was bad. Um, I am not a Pickett fan, and I'm glad I'm being reinforced. Michael Lombardi actually said, here's where my logic versus this management's logic, everybody, everything gets skewed. They supposedly had a contingency plan per Michael Lombardi, per a reliable source. If Kenny Pickett was gone, they were going to draft Carson Strong. And I was like, what? That baffles me. When you have tons of needs, what Smitty just said, you have Trubisky signed for two years. Why? what, What are you looking at? What is going on with this war room? I I give Kevin Colbert all the props in the world. He's a terrific GM. I think it's kind of time for him to go, and he is going. Uh, can I'll, I'll can, we just, can I track. just
2: jump in really quick, just so for yeah. our audience? Carson yeah. Strong didn't even get drafted.
0: Yeah, it, th- this is crazy to me. That that Now, supposedly it wasn't going to be round one, but he said round two is he thinks that's where they were going to grab Carson Strong.
1: I was like, man, that is bonkers. No, I I just think when you look, and Lombardi had a great point about how you can't really evaluate the players that have been drafted as much as you can evaluate the strategy. So you went out and you signed a free agent to go fill your quarterback hole, right? You've already got the guy you drafted with a second round pick a few years ago, sitting on the bench, who started a couple games for you, right? So you're good with quarterback. Now, if you want to take a young quarterback, that's fine. But this was not the year to do that. These These are developmental guys, right? So these are it would have probably lasted the second round. Now he probably would have went early in the second round, but maybe not. Right? We don't know. Like it seems like everyone had very varying uh grades for all these quarterbacks, and they had guys they liked and guys they didn't. But they went out and they signed Miles Boykin right before the draft, and then they draft two wide receivers. So yep. you basically the redundancy of what you drafted took in free agency versus what you drafted. Uh, you have probably the worst group of offensive tackles in the league. I like Dan Moore, but he's green. He's probably better as a guard. You know, you solidified the inside of your line, but you really didn't make it good. You just basically brought it up from god-awful to bad, you know, and I think that's what's being kind of lost in all this is that, you know, those weren't exceptional guys they signed. They didn't go sign a bell cow uh, center or guard. They signed guys who are good and better than what they had, but not great, right? They addressed the defensive line. They had to because those guys are really old. They're good, but, I mean, we don't know where Stephon Tewitt's head's at. Alu Alu is probably on his last season. Hayward's getting up there and he's got a lot of wear on the, you know, the guys behind him, you know, they put draft picks there. So you kind of wonder why you take a third round pick. Like you can't go to third round with D-line after you go wide receiver quarterback one and two because you have D-line depth. You've drafted D-line depth. You need to address the secondary. You may like it, but the stats don't like it. And you have a whole new defense, you got a new inside uh linebackers coach who's probably going to influence your scheme a lot. You got Terrell Austin, who's probably going to try to run the same scheme that they've been running. You need guys who can play man coverage if you're going to blitz like Flores wants to. Um, it's just you, you didn't didn't address anything like you, you draft Connor Hayward to play fullback. Well, because his brother's on the team, Well, you, you forgot your fullback also has his brother on the team. Like, are you going to start a locker room issue between you got to cut one of them? Um, yeah. what, how's that going to work out? Or are you just going to go like two fullbacks and a tailback? And we're just going to like, you know, we'll play both tight ends and just go power. And I'll run that all day. I'm just like. This is a great draft I like the guys in it but it just
2: is this building the team the right way and I don't think it really is I, I like the Pickens pick and I like the other wide receiver I like speed you need speed in the league. but I, I put it out there on Twitter and I said this is not a Hallmark movie and you know and you said it well there Jason I think is Pickett good or do they like the story that he's from Pitt you know all you heard was their office is right next to them. Okay, and now, listen, I told I told old man in the garage that they were going to take uh, Hayward's brother. I knew they were going to draft him. It, it wasn't a rocket scientist to figure that out. Now, the Everybody kid's a good football play. player, but is this a Hallmark movie? You know, she, Dr. Brent said a great line. He's like, this, like little like when you draft the younger, you get the older brother and you get the younger brother coming up in three years because he's on the team because that just the draft rules and the thing. It's, it's stories don't do anything for, win football games, like I said, we'll see, we'll see, I mean, my thing, I would say about a B, B minus with the Steelers, um, my, my big ones really quick, and because I know we are, we're running out of time, and um, I love what the Jets did, I thought the Jets were great, the Ravens knocked it out of the ballpark, and you know, we said it last week on the mock draft show, that they, they draft smart. I thought the Ravens did great. The jets did well. I, I like the giants too. I thought the giants did. All right.
0: Uh, I, I just want to, I'm going to go back to the Steelers real quick because I'm more of a realist and and not a Homer here. So, and I, and I don't hate the Steelers by any means. I, I think Pickett is a good pick. If he can turn out to be Chad Pennington is a lot of comps that I'm hearing. That's fine. He's not going to lose games, but, I mean, he—he, I don't think he has the biggest arm. I really like the George Pickens pick. I I think it's good. I think it fits a need. Was it needed at that point? I don't know, especially because they got the Austin kid next. And Pickens has a bad injury coming off a year ago, the ACL. And then he's got some character concerns. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, he's a tweener. And unless they're going to change their defensive scheme, their DNs need to be uh, the the stock and 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 keep the guys at the line of scrimmage. The old Aaron, uh, yeah, Aaron Smith. Unless they tell him to drop some weight and make him a rusher, I don't know how that's going to work out. I do like the Austin kid, but I don't think he's. <laughs> I hate to say it, I think I think he's more of a gadget special teams guy over just a straight wide receiver. And if you don't have the tackles, the block, I don't care if this guy's running goes all day, you're you're not going to have time to get the ball out to him. So it's kind of counterproductive. I, I like if, if I could just give out an incomplete grade for every team the first year, that's what I would do. But I can't. I actually even had them like rated like a C plus. I, I just don't I don't get their draft this year.
2: The only thing, too, is to me, don't you guys think and I want to hear what you think they have to hire within for the next GM. How are you bringing Colbert? How's he doing this draft? And then you're going to bring an outsider in as the GM and he's going to say, well, I didn't like Kenny Pickett at all, but he's going to be our quarterback. Like it has to be somebody within the organization. What do you think, Jason? I
1: don't, I don't get this. The bills did this too. Um, A couple of years ago, the guy who currently runs them, they had the, the previous administration do the draft for them. And they made it a case of like the drafts, like a four month process. And you can't just, you'd have to hire the guy during the season. And they wouldn't be able to do it anyway, so it works out. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, it's it's like a it's like a cooking game show. Um, to, to steal like old parcels isms where someone's picking the groceries for you and then you have to go figure out to make the meal out of it. Um, I I don't think they know who they want to hire a GM. This this search has gone on longer, it's insane at this point. Like, I think it's like six months. It's like, okay, hire the guys from inside then. Like, you can't just have this like whole absence. I I know they have basically a month off before things start up again, but they don't have a guy in place there. And, you know, you have an established head coach. So all you're doing there with bringing a GM in is basically asking for a potential rift, right? And it just, it's an organization that does things a very specific way. You know, they've always kind of worked from within. So the fact that that guy's not in the building right now, to me, I can see that as ruffling feathers everywhere between like the presidents, the head coach, so just at this point, just promote somebody and then backfill. you know, maybe the next candidate behind him. And then, you know, see if it doesn't work in a couple of years and make a move, but they don't do that anyway. I mean, it's just, I, it doesn't make any sense that are looking outside of the organization. Now it, to me, it does make sense because I don't think they handle free agency very well. I don't think they've managed the cap very well. And frankly, the draft has been a little bit where it looks like a fantasy draft as one of my friends said where they're taking the best player. And sometimes it doesn't always fit with like where their needs are for their team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's gonna be rough times for Pittsburgh sports here in the coming years. And this is kind of the Steelers starting their little, um, through the woods time. So yeah. the Pirates have been there for 30 years, but the pens are kind of approaching it, but the Steelers are finally here.
0: I, I, so good point on the hiring from within. I think, I I don't think Tomlin's going to be around too much longer now, whether it's his choice or their choice to maybe get rid of him. But I think the Brian Flores signing could be a good move. Just bring him in. He might be the likely uh, successor. And I keep hearing rumors now of uh, Lewis Riddick coming here to be the GM. More and more. And it seems to be heating up. Somebody asked him a question on TV the other day. He kind of snubbed it. And then, of course, the follow-up question was, well, what do you think of Kenny Pickett? Like a a blatant, well, if that's where you're going, what do you think? And... (laughs) He kind of gave the answer, well, I like him. I don't know if I like them at pick so-and-so as opposed to maybe a second-rounder as what we just said. So, man, there's a lot of rumblings and grumblings, I think, that are coming here for Pittsburgh.
2: Do you think – were you guys shocked that the quarterbacks dropped as far as they did? No. Yes and no. Not at all. Yes, because – like, it seems like everyone's
1: overvaluing quarterbacks, but no, when you watch these guys play, like, yeah. you know, you saw like Malik Willis, if he'd had a great game against um, a bigger competition, he probably would have got taken, but everyone saw exactly like, you know, oh, yeah. okay, these are, these are things he needs to work on, you know? And, you know, he's clearly, he's got the head for it with the one to the like, score. He's got the physical tools. He's not the biggest guy in the world though. I mean, I think that kind of gets overlooked. He's basically a small wide receiver out there, quarterback, but, um, but this, all those guys had question mark. Ritter never blew you away in any game that they played, and it was really hard to tell with conference, or it's called the All American Conference, because it wasn't a very good league this year. And he still, you know, he should been throwing 400 yards a game in that league with those defenses, and he never really did. They handed the ball off a lot. I mean, he made some plays, but nothing that stood out from that kind of level. Like Zach Wilson made more plays at BYU, similar competition, than Desmond Ritter did um, over that last two years there. So it makes sense. The car's strong, you know, same way, but I think it sounds like his knee injury is going to be something that really affects his career that the mobility has really been reduced and he's just an arm now, basically he's a throwing machine. Um, so I don't know. I'm more intrigued by the guy they drafted in the seventh round. I just don't understand why they did it. I don't think the guy's going to get a fair shot with all the quarterbacks in front of him, but he seems to be an interesting uh, uh, arm talent that can move around kind of the things you want, but, Um, I guess his days in the XFL are just that much closer. So I don't know. It's a, it, like I said, it's, it was a weird draft that way, but it's kind of, you saw teams are kind of properly valuing these quarterbacks. Like only the Steelers really kind of reached for one.
0: Yeah. Smitty. I wasn't, I wasn't shocked. Um, We all did our homework. The only reason we kind of had guys in our mock draft is because of, it's always quarterback driven first round mm-hmm. and, and everybody overvalues him. But yeah, when you watch tape, man, Willis's last three games, he really struggled. Now I, I do have a aspect to throw by Willis. I actually think he went to the best landing spot because there's no way he's getting rushed in. Now, I don't know who the quarterback's coach at Tennessee is or who else is down there to work with him. But I think if he has two years of seasoning, I think he can actually be a good quarterback in the NFL the other guys I I don't know who you got I mean Washington to me drafted Sam Howell that's Tyler Heineke uh, all over again but where did you improve Desmond Ritter is just another he's you nailed it J. Cam he doesn't wow you Pickett's Pickett's the ultimate lightning rod here, though because he did go first round and he's going to get the most attention period I guess before we probably wrap up since we went too long do you think the Steelers are going to have basically an open competition come training camp of who wins that job.
2: You know, Dr. Brent said another great thing. And I just want to bring that up because he said to me on Sunday, they set Trubisky up to fail. Yeah. And I said, okay, let me hear it. And he goes, well, think about it. He goes, so let's say he's the starter. And let's say he has an eh, okay game or maybe a little bit below and he throws a pick or two. Well, you know, there's going to be more jerseys in the stadium that's going to have the number eight for Pickett. or first question out of a reporter's mouth to Mike Tomlin is going to be, so when's Kenny Pickett going to start? Trubisky has no shot anymore. And that's why I said, why? And my, that was my point last week, I think too. I said, why'd you bring him?" Why'd you go and sign him? Just rule with Mason Rudolph. Then the fan base doesn't like him anyway, then draft Kenny Pickett and go with it. Now you waste money on Mitch Trubisky. And he, and I agree with, you know, I, I agree with Brent. I, I don't think the guy has a shot anymore in Pittsburgh because all the answers are going to be like, Kenny Pickett time. Let's go, let's go with him. And why not? I'd rather just see Kenny Pickett now personally. So I don't know, Matt, I think I, you hope it's an open competition because that's what sports is about and the best man should um win the job if they play well in camp in the in the preseason games and then you go from there but you know where they're gonna give the keys to so i don't know that's why i wasn't high on the on the pick
0: all right you guys have anything else we might as well wrap it up here because it's too late for us to dig into all this other stuff j you got anything else you want to fire out there
1: I do not. I just have to sweat a little Penguins here. It's 3-3 three, three in the third. I Rangers, but I do have the Rangers for the series in this, unfortunately. I just think that uh, Penn's kind of maxed out this year, and uh, yep. Rangers a little too much, especially with the goalie. Um, but, no, nah, I, I can't wait for the weekend. It's going to be awesome.
2: Go Celtics, go Celtics, go Celtics, and go Memphis tonight. I get my teaser. Baseball's looking cold again. A little cold streak right now with baseball, but like we talked about it. It's very tough. Golf, I will be giving out. Did okay. Cameron Champ last week, top 10. Aaron Wise missed it by a stroke, top five. That would have been a nice tournament. So close, so tough, man. Golf is just frustrating sometimes on Sunday. Charles Howell III was up too high for me. Best bet. And then he kind of collapsed late on Sunday. So Good tournament, uh, some pretty bigger names. I know Matt will probably play it, I'll play it. I'm gonna research tonight and tomorrow and get it out and try to get some winners. And then we got the real big one next week at the draft again, boys. I think start Friday, right? Yeah. Okay, let's Let's get after it. All right, here's my final
0: jumping off point. So uh, we have the Derby coming up. We actually love the Derby. Huge field though, Uh, very talented group of horses. However, I think it's almost like the NFL draft. It is chaotic. I don't see one head and shoulders guy above the rest. There's a couple of horses with really seven to two odds, type like that. But I don't like those horses as much as some of the others I do. So I'm going to drop two names, White Abario and Charge It at 20 to 1. I'm going to put money on both of them to win. I'm going to put them in Xacta, probably a little box trifecta with someone else. Two names to keep an eye on. Like Smitty said, uh, bucks Boston uh, series tonight, in the NBA, Celtics going to get it back to even, it looks like, hockey playoffs in full year, we made some picks online, we did the draft, check out our show, it's uh, at Smitty Bucks at Notebook Wagering Jake Kim, I am at, if you follow Matt, we are the at Notebook Wagering crew, give us a listen, give us a like, hit us up with any questions, and have a great night, everybody.
3: Thanks for listening to the Notebook Wagering Podcast.
0: Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to follow at Notebook Wagering. Until next time.